Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you for joining us for Black on the Scene. I'm Dee Dee Brown. John and I are back and we're so hyped for this conversation today with one of the boss ladies in the film industry, hell, entertainment industry overall, that I've had the immense pleasure of working with just on a couple of projects. Y'all, we have Miss Shayla Cowan here today. She is the Chief of Staff for Will Packer Productions and Will Packer Media. She manages and oversees all of the operational and administrative activities of both companies and serves as a key advisor on the company's marketing communications, and business strategies. And if that's not enough, she provides support on the development and production of the company's films, TV shows, digital programming, and other special projects. Yes, yes, yes. Shayla, Shayla, Shayla. She has all the receipts and she has a very, very, seats. It's a very special place in my heart. Um, back in the day when I was starting my journey in film, I met her on Think Like a Man, Shayla, back in 2012. And through our professional career journey, we, we worked on a number of films like Straight Outta Compton, Ride Alone 1 and 2, No Good Deed, The Wedding Ringer, Girls Trip, Breaking In, Night School. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We truly have been in the trenches together. But my favorite memory always goes back to Think Like a Man, Atlantic Station, premiere in Atlanta, a Blackberry email, text message that Shayla sent me. We always laugh to this day. Um, <laughs> Shayla, thank you so much for joining Dee and I today on this podcast. We are so happy to have you. I am so happy to be here. And congratulations to both of you on launching, which is such a needed yet fun and very classy podcast, I might Yes, we try. Yes, we do. We do. This is, this is definitely something that me and Dee are so excited about. And we are, we're ready to dive in to learn more about you. Um, you know, obviously I've known you for a while, but you've have, you have such a very interesting journey of how you got to where you are. Um, and I always find that so interesting of this, how people go from point A to point B in their careers. So would love for you to kind of dive into your early journey into the filmmaking business. And I believe your first movie was it, was it working with Will was on Stump the Yard. Was that, is that true? It was, it was Stomp the Yard Homecoming. What's so funny is, I started in the music industry and, you know, did that for quite some time. And it just, it wasn't the jam anymore. You, you lose excitement for what you were excited to be a part of. And it was nothing but God, but somehow an opportunity came my way to interview for a role um, as literally the, a crew member assistant, but I was specifically would be assigned to Will Packer and the line producer, Diane Ashford, who many know. Um, and, you know, ran into him randomly. We had mutual friends. He knew that I had worked in music and was like, hey, you know, I'm looking for an assistant for this, for this show. It doesn't pay very much, but if you're interested, you know, I'd love for you to interview. So I was like, okay, I will, um, I'll reach out. And then I was like, is that really what I wanna do? Is that really something that, you know, I feel makes the makes sense to do. And lo and behold, I ended up calling and getting the interview and going in and it wasn't even an interview. It ended up being a two hour conversation. Um, we touched on 
certain things, but it was very comfortable. And I mean, but before I could even stick the key in the ignition of my car, I had gotten the call offering the, being offered the position. And so I took it, you know, jumped in there, had no real production experience, especially being able to assist a producer. And, you know, I just was always a hard worker and always knew that like you give 110%, everything else will fall into place. And I did just that. And literally three weeks before we wrapped, he came to me and said, you know, I'd like to discuss how I can have you on my team full time as my executive assistant, which means you would, you would assist myself, but then also Rob Hardy, who was his former business, who's now his former business partner, because they had together created Rainforest Films. And I said, all right, let me think about it because, you know, being behind the scenes and learning so much in those five weeks that we were in production, before that, I had no idea what the difference between a director and a producer was. But being on that set, I learned, oh, the producer is the one everybody comes to, to make sure things are cool. He's managing the budget. And Will was a different type of producer than a regular producer because he's so creative and very hands-on. So in every inch of the way from development to the rollout to, you know, when the DVD comes out, his hand is in everything. And I loved how he was on set and he was easy to talk to and people loved working with him. And I was like, you know what, this is much different than my experience in music. Let me give this a shot. So I went back to him and I said, listen, I am willing to join your team under one condition. When you go make movies, I would like to go with you, meaning wherever, whatever city, wherever country, whatever. And he was like, you know what, at the time he was in a deal with Sony. He said, let me talk to my attorney and I'm sure it'll be fine, but let me just make sure it's cool. And he came back to me and he was like, let's do it. And what's so funny is my first theatrical film with him was Think Like a Man. And it was nonstop since. It was nonstop. Can we just take a moment to just, just that, that's such an amazing story. It's such a good story. And this is like how things, hap- this how things just happen and fall into place. I love that. And here's a fun fact. So that happened like around right before Christmas break, right? And him and at the time, his, well, his now wife, Heather, were going on vacation. And so everyone was scrambling because, you know, it's holiday time. I'm going back home. And so he was like, let's regroup at the top of the year, da, 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 da. I took the job not even knowing what my salary was going to be. That never came up. And then I started just after the new year. And still hadn't discussed what the salary was. So at the time, the office manager, maybe week three of me being there was like, so do we know what your salary is? And I laughed out loud because I hadn't even thought about it and neither had Will. We had just jumped right in and got going. And that just goes to show that like, I operate off of purpose and not the dollar. And I think oftentimes you have to make decisions that are best for you, but at that time, I was just so excited to be able to, you know, report to somebody who was so cool, so down to earth and cared about my opinion that it didn't even matter. I mean, obviously we worked out what it was supposed to be, but at that time I started without knowing my salary. And so that's an interesting question too, because now we're talking about, we're in this zeitgeist where we're talking about, you know, salaries and asking for war and women negotiating and all of that. So the salary conversation comes up and did you have any idea what the job was supposed to pay? Like, 
what were what was going through your mind? Are you assessing what your bills are? Are you like, how did that conversation go? And then maybe what have you learned since about salaries and negotiations and how all of this sort of, I mean, you guys have been together a long time, so. Yeah, 12 years. You know, what's so funny is, you know, at the time, I think we had like wrote a number on a napkin and he slid it to me. And then I looked at it and said, oh, and then slid it back. And then he slid it again. And then we were like, okay, cool. <laughs> because by the way, money is the most uncomfortable thing to discuss, especially in front of the person who you're going to be working very closely with. So you don't want to feel like you're taking advantage, but you also want to make sure that you're not eating tuna fish sandwiches. And we were literally able, you know, to, I mean, I was living in Atlanta at that time and let me tell you something, Atlanta was way cheaper than it is now. So I didn't need a whole lot. I just was so excited about, and it wasn't even about working in the film industry. I was just excited to be working with someone who was super cool, who was really smart. And I knew I could just learn a lot from, not just from the film side of things, but just in life. I want to go back to you talking about your music industry experience for a second, Shelly, because I don't necessarily know if I knew that all the way. So, like, what did you feel I like? I mean, I was no Beyonce. So. <laughs> but, I, but in terms of like, but in terms of feel like what you, what you came, what you learned from that space, right? And then what you applied to this, because it's obviously a different industry. Like, what do you feel like were those kind of key takeaways? You're like, okay, I can take this from the music, this 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 uh, expertise from the music industry and bring yeah. it on to this whole new world of things. Like, what did you feel like you could kind of bring over to kind of translate it over a little bit? Being resourceful. Um, that was- You, really you are important. very, very, very resourceful. I will, uh, yes, that is 100% true. And, and leaning on relationships. You know, I, a lot of my music industry relationships that I built back then, most of them I still have to this day and need them. Um, getting music cleared, getting an artist to do a cameo on a show, like all that stuff really comes into play. So I think the hustle, the hustle spirit and energy of how the music industry is, I kept that with me um, being using my resource. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. As much as I can, I could. Um, but also, I think one of the, the strongest ones was never take no for an answer. Never just settle for what is being presented to you. And I've never, and I think that's probably the biggest gem that I took when I walked away from, from that side of the industry was like, there's always, you can always negotiate. There's always a reason to reconsider and you can always find a happy medium. And that stays with me to this day. And John knows firsthand uh, <laughs> what that what that experience with Shayla's like. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I sure, I sure do. I 100% sure do. Uh, I think that that's just, that's just so fascinating to me because 
again, like you, you, I've, and I've known you for a long time, but like, I just remember like, especially my Sony, the Sony days, right. Of like, you were like the, the voice of, of everything. It was like, you got to go through Shayla, you got to get that. So yeah. like you started to be like, um, a marketing consultant, like, this is what's cool. You need to be thinking about this. So like your job started to evolve organically, right. And to just like, mm -hmm. I want this movie to be successful. And these are how, these are my ideas on how it should be there. We need to have these people in the room. We need to have these people hosting the screening and things like that. So that, did yeah. you always kind of have that, like, cause there's one thing to be like really creative and that aspect of it. Right. But then like that kind of marketing, what's cool kind of mindset. Have you, have you felt like you've always kind of had that and you kind of applied it to the different areas you, you worked in? Like that, it's kind no. of that, that, okay. You think it was kind of acquired over time? I learned it from Will Packer, swear to goodness. Literally think like a man was a movie that the budget was low um, and we had literally an all-star cast and some of those cast members, you know, he had promised them things. You know what I mean? Like for later, um, but I think what I, what I enjoyed watching and learning the most was how strategic he was with putting the dots together in terms of cast, in terms of our cameos. Like when we dropped that trailer, dropping the trailer all at the same time on Twitter, where you have, you know, a cast who has tons of followers on Twitter, your cameo guys, we had NBA players, we had in WNBA players. We had Kelly Rowland, like it gets no bigger than Kel's, you know what I'm saying? So we had all these great organic, you know, relationships and cast members that came together and literally made the movie what it was. And then when he did that, my wheel started turning like, okay, I, I, this is going to be much bigger than what we could have ever anticipated to be as long as it comes out right. And it came out beautiful. Tim Story did an incredible job. And when it was time to roll that movie out, we had all those tangible pieces that we had put in the movie. So there was no way to lose. And we knew where to put them. Like, it was brilliant to have Idris and Tyrese host a screening. Like, what? Like, those were the things. And I, and I swear, it was Think Like a Man that I started to understand how it's not just making the movie and putting it out, but how important the marketing it is. And I've learned all of my little marketing tidbits from Will. And of course, over time, I've been able to add value to those tidbits, but ultimately it was me just watching him and being there. And that's why I said, if I was going to assist him and be his, you know, EA, I wanted to move with him because I didn't want to be a desk EA. I never had been that. So I did not know, you know, what that entailed, but being on that movie for five weeks was like, oh no, I I'm moving. I want to go. And luckily, you know, the stars were aligned and I was able to do that. And shout out and, and, to Will. Oh, sorry, Diddy. No, go ahead, John. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, and shout out to Will because I feel like Will was like the the Will Packer films were like the the moments of Atlanta the screenings of like I feel like they started like the whole idea of like the big screenings, especially with things like Man and Takers. Like those are the ones he really like. Everyone came out for a Will Packer film, and, and also the and don't forget the pop ups. We started that. Oh yeah, the pop ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pop ups with talent and, and the HBCUs. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like and then the HBCU tour, like all of that. We I will I will say we own that. Yeah, you're welcome. And, 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 <laughs> right, and you and again, I think it's such a again. You know, I was in the trenches with you guys doing a lot of this, so it was so interesting. Where it was like. Will's like, we need to be here. Or Chase like, we need to be here. And like, you need to, like, it was, and it's like, 
you just, sometimes you just you're so in it you don't really realize like wait that actually makes that's genius like but of course we need to be at hbcus and have a big presence there for for all these films that's a key audience of course we need to be screening and bringing out pop you know pop-ups and things like that it's like it's such it was such genius marketing so so kudos and shout out to you and will it literally set the tone for a lot of what we're doing in the multicultural marketing space today. Like this is sort of the format and we have to thank you for that since John and I are in the multicultural marketing space. I want to get back to something that you said, just you mentioned being a sponge, mm-hmm. just taking things in and mm-hmm. really, but also having a great strategy at how to apply it to the things that you're really good at. So you knew, like you saying that I was never a desk EA. I knew that I had to be out and about. I had to be learning through experience on the job. And I would love for you to just speak to a little bit, especially for like younger people that are listening about how you really double down on your strengths and how you can make them work within the confines of the job that you think you start the job one way, but you can bring extra things to it and make it really work for you similar to what you did. You always gotta know your audience. And I think when people get an opportunity to sit in a room with high level executives and talk about opportunities and and marketing and, and all of that, you have to know who's in the room and you have to also know when to come in and when not to. There were times where I would be in meetings and never said a word, but I absorbed everything that was said and then later went back to Will and said, why don't we do X, Y, and Z? And he's like, oh, that's a great idea because I had the opportunity to be in the room. I think oftentimes, you know, and I'll just say this, young people, when they get the opportunity to come into the room, they're so eager and so excited and they end up stumbling because they're too quick to say something and they feel like they need to have that moment because they need that pat on the back. I never needed the pat on the back. I never needed the good job because I knew what I was doing was bigger than me. So the credit when you get it is great, but you don't always need the credit in the moment, if that makes sense. Sure it does. And in fact, you have that awesome Harry Truman quote on your IG. Can I read it or do you? (laughs) The quote is, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. Now you want to know, it's funny how that quote ended up there. So a couple years ago, I was working in the office and I had pitched an idea to a network and they, for one of our projects, and they were like, oh, that's such a great idea. Right. And they ended up using the idea, but never thanked me for it. And I was so annoyed and Will just happened to be in town and he came to my office and I was like, can you believe them? And that I went off. Right. And he was like, you finished? And I was like, yeah. And then he quoted that quote and literally walked out my office. And I was like, hmm. I was still in my feelings though. So then I went back and found the quote and I literally put it in my bathroom. And I literally trained myself to understand that it's bigger than me. (laughs) Like who cares? You got the great ideas. As long as it gets from point A to point B, that's all that matters. And literally the day that, that that I trained my mind to understand that is the day that credit never even mattered to me. So it's like when things were starting to come my way and people were like, oh my gosh, congratulations, this is great. Thank you so much. But I never, I never put so much on it. And I never put so much on my ideas where I felt like I needed the head of such and such to say, that was brilliant, Shayla. Who cares? No one cares, just work hard. 
who cares and taking your ego out of it, which is really, it, and actually you just schooled me on something. Cause I, these days I'm like, it's just my idea and blah, right. blah, blah, blah. And, and, but I, I'm really going to sit with that. And it may also become in, uh, the thing in my bio, by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would love with everything that you do, yeah. can you just walk us through, and I know no day is typical, walk us through your day. You start your morning with some sort of self-care or meditation. Just walk us through the day in the life of Shayla. <laughs> well, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so three days a week, I start my day at 5 a.m. where I go to the gym at six and do a session with my favorite trainer in the whole wide world, Chris. Um, and then that's, I'll do a Monday cause that's just easier to break down. So training session on Monday and then at eight o'clock is like my first non-Zoom call. And then the rest of the rest of the day are calls, Zooms, lunch away from the computer, no television, just enjoying the food. Um, and then now I've been a little more open to doing drink meetings and sometimes a few dinner meetings. So it could be a dinner meeting or it could be I'm working on strategy for something we're doing this fall. Um, with will school, like it just depends or will could call and throw a monkey wrench in my whole day, which means I have to alter everything to accommodate this time sensitive. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Thing that he just came up with that he wants to do, but it's also managing the staff. Um, I check in on our staff regularly, making sure that they have everything they need. We've been working from home, and that's been challenging. But our team really um, pivoted well and are seamlessly working from home. But just checking on them and just making sure that their mind and and is healthy and and they're doing okay and they have what they need. Um, and then also sometimes it's me just, you know, clocking out at six and then either tuning into a show or having a meal. Like I discovered that I can cook during quarantine. Um, I also discovered that I make a good chocolate chip cookie. I discovered that during quarantine. We heard about those chocolate chip cookies, girl. I was going to bring that up. I was like, you got something that's cooking in these cookies. (laughs) Yeah. So again, like you said, the no day is typical. Um, but oftentimes, I mean, it's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of marketing calls. We've got, thankfully, we've got so many projects rolling out. So it's just being able to stay ahead of all of that, um, while also, you know, maintaining my mental health right. and so that I don't overwork myself. And that's why I was going to, I was going to pose that question to you because, you know, obviously we were in a, we were in a world of like going out and doing everything and meetings, blah, 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 out in the world, COVID hit yeah. obviously, and then things changed. So like, talk to us about exactly how did you actually, you know, manage through that, right? Like we've been doing this for a year and a half, maybe we'll be to the end of the year, who knows, maybe not, yeah. I, you never know. But like, in terms of you, like your day to day, how much has your, how much has your life changed or how much did you have to get adjusted to changing from this pre-COVID life to this, this COVID life? And in terms of your mental health as well, like what were you, did you have to do anything differently? Did you meditate differently or did you meditate more or pray more or whatever it was in a, in a COVID world? What's so interesting is that I'm an only child and I love being alone. So when the lockdown happened, it was shocking, but it was slightly a relief because I really knew that my body needed the break. 
Um, I mean, the travel was insane and all of that. And I hadn't even lived in my new place long enough. So that was a real time for me to really settle in. Um, I think the first week it was like, okay, what are we doing? Da, 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 da. But once that second week hit, I had to mentally say, you know what, we're going to be in the house. Let me make the most of it. So I just, Amazon became my BFF and I just ordered way more stuff that I needed. And then I would like work for a few hours and then I'd go in the kitchen and whip something up. Or I would like, I color coded all of my like reading books. I color coded all of my closets. Like I was doing stuff like that just so that I could get really organized, right? Um, and then maybe like two months in, I was like, okay, I'm getting a little antsy. So then me and some girlfriends, we started doing like Zoom get togethers. So we get on Zoom and we would try out products and do silly stuff. And that was really good. But I also had the chance to reconnect with people that like, I hadn't really had a chance to see or talk to because I was always on the go. Um, so it was such a beautiful, I mean, obviously it's tragic, the amount of lives that were lost, but you know, it was also really, really lovely. And I think I needed the time to sit and reset. I'll be honest, I didn't meditate very well during COVID. I think I'm just, you know, my mind wasn't in it, but I was good. Like my mom would call and be like, you don't want to come home. I'm like, no, she's like, you're there by yourself. I'm like, I know. And it's really lovely. Like friends wanted to get together. And like, I was like, no, I'm good. I, I, just, I needed the alone time. And I also was able to reconnect with myself um, and also like change things about myself for the better that I wanted to leave behind. Cause I said, if we're going to be in this, I want to come out differently than I did when we when I went in it and I did just that. So a lot of stuff I was able to purge. There's a lot of things I don't give my energy to anymore. Um, and you know, I think I'm living a much more fulfilled life now than I was pre-COVID. Man, Shayla, you said another word, girl. I mean, John and I felt the exact same way. I mean, we've seen you in airports very early in the morning, flying hither and there and been, you know, on press runs with you, obviously yeah. John more than me. So we know the, um, the, the thing that I think that people glamorize the industry yeah. a lot, and there is glamour involved, um, but there's so much stamina and hard work and energy that you have to put forward, like always being on. I'm sure, you know, we, we don't get too far from our phones. Um, we have to be accessible at all times. And it, you know, it sort of is what it is, but it is, last year was also about, to your point, that reset and creating boundaries and all of that. So aside from it being really, you know, challenging and like thinking of figuring out a new way to be, and I, if you want to share some of the things that you were like, I'm letting go of this and how you got to you know, how you actually got to the, to some of those self, that personal development thing that we often don't have time to do because we don't have time to take um, extracurricular courses outside of our work because we work late. Yeah. So curious I, to know. Yeah. I think the biggest one was having compassion and John knows me very well. I am a straight shooter and I say it and then I move on. And you know, people just aren't built like people once were. And so I think for me, it was like, you know what, let me work on my compassion. Let me work on how I cannot just 
come in so forceful. Let me see how I can, you know, when someone says something, let me take a step back and say, you know what? Let me have 10 seconds and then react. Or if you get that email that comes in that's a little snarky, rather than you be snarky back, and this is very elementary, but it really does apply to our lives. How do I respond in a way that I am telling them that this is not going to work without telling them this is not going to work, if that makes sense? And it was those things that I really needed to sit in with myself. It wasn't like, you know, me calling a bunch of people, well, what do you think of me? No, it was me saying, you know what? How do I get the best out of people without forcing it out of them? How do I uplift them? How do I help put them in position for them to win without them feeling like they're not doing a good job? Because the times are different. So you can't, what I, when, you know, when I was in my twenties and working you were told what it was and you kept it moving and you just dealt with it. Now, it don't work that way. You you know, and you don't want people falling apart on you either. So I really had to learn how to have more compassion um, and also how I approach certain situations that would send me into a rage, but how do I address it without you knowing that I am tight? So that was one of the, the largest moments. And then also just, my self-care, making sure that like I'm eating well, making sure I'm getting enough sleep. Like I stopped having my cell phone on my nightstand. My cell phone is now across the room, you know, in my bedroom. So when I get up in the morning, it's not the first thing I go to. Um, so it was those little tools there. And also like being okay with saying, you know what? I've worked. I am tired of this computer and I'm going to enjoy my rest of my day. And that and like pre-COVID, I would take a mental health day maybe once or twice a day during the week, do or I mean, sometimes a half a day. But if I just felt, you know how you feel it in here and you just feel like you're you you reached your limit and you gotta decompress, sometimes it would be like, let me just go take a walk. I did a lot of walks during COVID because I needed one to be outside and feel the air, but it also helped reset whatever that was feeling here. I was able to like, you know, let it go. So I did a lot of just like self-evaluation. Um, and I think it really helped. It helped me understand like there's more to life than just the business and number one movies and big splashy TV shows. It's also like, you gotta be good and sound and you also wanna make sure that people not only respect you, but understand why you go so hard. And, and when they see how hard you go, hopefully they will want to work as hard as you are on whatever it is you guys are working on together. And have you seen a change in your relationships or how people respond to you given your different, say again? Tremendously. You have. Yeah. But I also, you know, eliminated a lot of the noise. There was a lot of noise and I eliminated the noise. So it's not as easy to get access to me. But when you do have the access to me, you get a limited amount of time. I think there was a, oftentimes where people would just reach out and they just wanted advice. And it was taking up a lot of my time. And there's a producer, her name's Ricky. She works with Dave Chappelle, very smart woman. She said something on a Zoom once that literally stopped me in my tracks. And she said, Shayla, or she, she addressed Everybody loves McDonald's fries. 
So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Room, But she said, I allow 10 hours a month to outside people. She said those 10 hours a month and when those and when I've reached that 10 hours in that month and more people are reaching out, we move on to the next month. And I, I mean, when she said it, it stopped me. And I was like, that's brilliant because you want to help people. And then when you don't help people, they get offended. And then you're like, oh, she's this, she's that. And it's like, no one ever thinks about what my day is like. No one ever takes into account. They just want what they need. So being able to apply that 10 hours a month, I'm a much happier person when we're talking about what it is you want to do in your life. And it also gives me boundaries. Creating those boundaries is really helpful in this time. John and I truly hope that you are enjoying this episode of Black on the Scene, but we're interrupting this episode just to ask a quick favor. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, plus leave us a rating after the show. And now back to the episode. Enjoy. Shayla, you've been dropping gems and bombs. Gems, gems. <laughs> I love this. But, but there was something out there that I want, I want to talk to you about because I know I get this a lot too of like about the, sometimes I feel the need to help people, right? Especially people that are wanting to get into the business, right? And sometimes I'm like, I can help, I can try to help you as much as I can, but I feel like someone like you who has a platform that you have and you have Will's ear, like mm-hmm. I'm sure people come to you a lot about a project. I want to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I want to be a producer. I want to, you know, everything under the sun I can imagine. Yeah. How do you filter that, right? Of like, I want everyone black to win but also knowing that I can't help everyone physically. I literally cannot. And like, do you feel, do you just feel like a sense of responsibility to a degree about trying to help people? Or like, how, do, how do you do that? I used to, I used to feel like, you know what? I'm in this position and I'm gonna help. Anybody that asks me something, I'm gonna help them. I mean, when I tell you, I was responding to every DM that came in. And then one day it changed. You wanna know how it changed? Because someone reached out to me about their project. And because we are a production company, we have to protect ourselves. So we we do not accept unsolicited material, right? So when someone says, well, what does that mean? I'm happy to explain it. And then they, you know, then that's that. Well, this particular person decided to challenge me and he was rude and super, you know, just horrible in his response because I wasn't saying to him, what he wanted to hear. So I had to get to the point and say, you know what, Shayla, you can't be responding to all these people like this. And you also, when someone reaches out or someone's like, oh, my cousin is a writer. Listen, great. What they should do is (laughs) X, Y, and Z. You know, there's so many writing programs that are out there. If they, have they taken classes? Like everybody could be a writer, but when you get to a Will Packer production level and you have a a direct relationship, be careful as to what you're bringing our way. And I say that like, yes, we're friends and we've been friends since third grade, but no, you, you got to go the regular route. And then if it makes its way, then let's have a conversation later down the line. I'm not going to be your entry point. Now it's a little different with kids that are trying to get into the industry. And I always recommend them going to an agency and working at an agency because you get a well-rounded idea of what all these different departments are within the industry, right? 
Um, we've ha we had an internship program pre-COVID that did extremely well. And all those kids went on to work at major networks and studios. And some even started their own production companies. So, you know, aside from interns and all of that, but just the people that are just reaching out that they want to be an actress, I always say, you know what you should do? You should look up all the casting directors of all your favorite movies, right? And find them on social and reach out to them and ask them how you can submit or how you can do a monologue. Never just send your stuff. And, you know, some are receptive and some are not, but I, I really had to stop being, you know, Captain Save a, you know, aspiring artist because, you know, it can not only get you in trouble, but it's also draining and takes away from the things that you need to be doing and empowering yourself. Well, Shayla, this is a good lead in to, we had so many, you just answered a lot of our questions in like, literally you have been dropping so many gems. I'm like, okay, where can we go to get more Shayla-isms? Uh, how are you, and talking about empowering yourself, are yeah. you doing more things in the personal branding space? Listen, we see you out on, on the gram living, you know, your life. There's a lot of things we don't see because I know, you know, you got to keep some things private and personal, mm -hmm. but talk to us a little bit more about like maybe some personal branding endeavors that you're doing. Cause these Shayla-isms, I'm going to be employing all of these starting next week. Starting <laughs> you know, Monday. What's so funny is I've never like being like in front of the camera and all that has never been my jam. I think Will and I have worked so well together for so long because I knew from jump he was the star and I just want to help uplift and support. It wasn't until that announcement of me becoming chief of staff which I was definitely against and was forced into, you know, all of that. It wasn't until then when the outpouring of support and just the people that were like, oh my God, Shayla, like I've been watching you. Like, it's a little crazy to know that people are actually like watching your moves and supporting you and rooting you for, from afar. So I always said that, like, I don't mind having the conversations publicly and sharing some of the experiences, good, bad, and ugly that I've gone through just as long as it makes sense. I definitely say no more than I say yes, but when those special opportunities come that I feel like it could uplift and, and motivate someone, I, I, I do it. So it's like baby steps. I, I love that because I've, I've really been trying to like connect with that, especially over the last year. Like I've, I've always, especially like now, like I really feel the need to always like be there in whatever way that is right just like as a friend as a family member helping strangers across the street or a random dm like like oh what i want to i want to do this for you and it's like honestly sometimes i don't even have the energy to even write a message even to respond to you so i really appreciate all those nuggets you dropped about that because i think that's something i really have to like take into account because dd and i are always like well how can we help this person who do we know to get a job here or there like it's just it's just it takes so much takes a lot. And then also like, unless you've worked with that person, like right. I've been burned where I just yes. recommended someone and they did a terrible job. Mm -hmm. And that's a reflection of me and my mm -hmm. reputation and my work ethic is so important to me. So it's like, you have to just be choosy as to, and you know it, like right. I just joined this um, mentorship program that Heather Lowry is doing with industry women of color. And the way it was set up was perfect. And I was like, I'll take, I can take one, maybe two. Um, but I know that with this program, the person or whoever I'm paired with 
is ready for the next phase. So I'm happy to uplift. I can't get you the job, but I could potentially get you in the door and I can prepare you to get you in the door, but you got to ultimately sell it. That's then that's it right there. That's period. Yeah. hundred percent. And Shayla, you know, part of the reason John and I started this endeavor is because we want to see more diversity in the entertainment industry, particularly black and brown folks. Representation matters. The projects that you and Will and the entire team work on are all about representation, are all about shining this amazing bright light on on black folks. Mm -hmm. And that is why we love y'all so much. Just give a little tidbit about why representation matters so much to you and and just just encouraging more of our partners I work at a studio John worked at a studio why that's important like how are you can continue to push forward these amazing um, opportunities and shining a beautiful light on us I mean listen the statistics have shown that our culture drives the moment And nothing is better than when you make a project and you hear women, like you're in the grocery store, you're at the airport, you're at dinner, and you hear women talking about fighting over which character in Girls Trip is them. And when you have that moment and you see that and you see girls taking Girls Trips and they have the wigs on and it's that whole thing, it literally makes everything worth it. It makes the fight worth it. And I think representation is wildly important because you want to see you and you want to see you in a way that is not stereotypical or degrading or anything like that. You want to see you in the highest light. And I think Hollywood is starting to understand it. I will say it's beautiful to see so many filmmakers that look like me, um, on this journey that are killing it it's beautiful who needs an alarm in the morning when mcdonald's has sausage egg and cheese mcgriddles and a breakfast cut off beautiful to know there was one time where in atlanta it was cw rainforest film slash Woodpacker productions and Tyler Perry, those were the only folks making movies. Now you can barely get your original crew members because there's so much happening down there. So I think it's a beautiful thing to see, but there's so much more work to be done because and in hindsight is, it, you still have to make sure that the project makes sense. You still have to make sure that like, you're putting the people that look like us in the development department not as a coordinator, not as an assistant, but as a decision maker. So we have to have more of that. We also need more agents that look like us, that are at the higher level, that are running the departments. Because ultimately, like I said, we, our culture is driving, is the driving force to all of this. So when you have projects that, you know, a, a Caucasian executive may not understand a certain scene because it's a hair scene, Having a high level African-American male or female executive like, oh, oh no, let's talk about this. It's always better to have somebody in the room on that side and not just on the producer side or not just the actor calling that red flag. So, you know, hopefully- 
Shayla, there you, you know go. You, you, you there you go dropping them, dropping the bombs in the gym. I mean, yeah. Shayla isms, Shayla isms. <laughs> Listen, it's so true because it it's like I have been in rooms where you just your mouth drops mm. when you hear certain things, but and, and you can't get mad at them. They just don't know. Right. But right. I'm also tired of educating. Edu- if, How about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, I, you know, again, Shayla and I, we have such a long history together, and, and with Will as well, and it's like. I've always appreciated the journey that I've been on because I, I, most of my career is rooted in Will Packer films. It's sure. rooted in us and you guys pushing pushing me in, in like from a logistical standpoint of just influencer yeah. screenings, marketing campaign strategy, all that. And it's like, I've become a better marketer because of the work that I've done. So I shout out to you and Will for that because I literally, I, like I said before, I went to the, the, the school of, of marketing with, with Will and Shayla as my professors. And y'all, y'all and I was like, I'm going to fail one day. But I kept going, studying for my finals. And I got there. I passed, thankfully. Yes. You, guys, you guys were so great at that. You really were. I just have to interject one second because when John was at the other studio working on a few of y'all's campaigns, I was working at a marketing agency. Yep. And we wanted to work as a consultant. And it was like, John, we want to work on a Will Packer film. John mm-hmm. was like, no, y'all ain't ready mm-hmm. for it. Like, and and it- that's just real. Like I like <laughs> I've, I've lived, I have literally lived, breathed it and I know what it is. And it's like, and I know y'all like the back of my hand. So I, I'm already starting to think like you, like what would Shayla do or what would Shayla want? Like every time literally, my brain has con- been conditioned. And people forget, like I have to answer to that band who is the nicest human being ever, but knows what he wants. So my job is to get that done. And how do I get that done? Is by working with the agencies. Now, the thing about the agencies are, agencies are great and they're super helpful. But the one thing about it is, it's always collaborative. And I've said this to John, like once we get to the marketing phase, the agency is the most important part of this nucleus. It's the money that we're given, and then it's the execution. And it's so important that at agency level that you understand, like, this is not just another project. This is the project of the moment because this project is could, could potentially change the game. And oftentimes, there's so much workload that you forget. So every movie is never the same agency because you never want to get comfortable and you always want that excitement. Just like every movie we put out, we have to have that same excitement because if we get complacent and we get comfortable, that's when the L's start to come. Right. Yeah. Drops mic once again, Didi. <laughs> Shayla, so Black on the Scene, our podcast, thank you again for, for joining us. But as Didi and I said, this is our love letter to Black entertainment because we're so passionate about it. We love, we love actors. We love television. We love film. We love just the culture. And we really wanted this to be our love letter to that, right? And so for you, Shayla, being in this space as long as you have been to it, we wanted, to, wanted you to share with us, what is your love letter to the Black entertainment industry? Yes, take a side, deep breath. <laughs> um, my love letter to the Hollywood industry. What's it? Say that again. I want to make sure I say. Yeah, to, to Hollywood, to Black Entertainment Space, um, Hollywood. Okay, my love letter is thank you for opening the door, allowing us Black folks 
to be able to tell a story without the story having to be compromised. Thank you, Hollywood, for giving us the space to celebrate what Black excellence is at its highest level. And thank you, Hollywood, for always cutting that check. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Shea, we love you. We could talk to you for hours, but we know you are busy, booked, and blessed. And we know we've got to be mindful of that time. And, uh, you know, we just want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, sharing so much of yourself. Um, I've gotten to know you in a, in, a, in, a, in a much different way. And I think John will say the same. So we love you. We, we love see you. you. We thank you. And listen, I appreciate and love you both so much. I think what you guys have done in the industry and the strides that you have made is incredible. And I just am excited to see the, the progression of both of your careers. Um, but more importantly, just the fact that you guys are taking time out of your busy schedules to interview folks like me, to talk about and care about what the journey was like and how to deal with things in Hollywood. So I just wanna say thank you to the both of you for allowing me on your amazing show today. Thank you, we love you Shayla. Ah. Thank <laughs> you, John. Oh my goodness. The Shayla isms were in full effect on this episode of Black on the Scene. I mean, everything that came out of her mouth was a life lesson from the importance of creating boundaries, protecting your time, and getting over always expecting to receive credit for your ideas or work. Didi, I'm so honored to know the force known as Shayla Cowan. She brings so much perspective to the business and it has been an immense honor knowing her, working with her, and calling her a dear friend. Thank you for sharing so candidly your journey in the film business with Dini and I, Shayla. We love you, we support you, we see you. Until next time, my friends, don't forget to leave us a rating, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Black on the Scene, BLK on the S-C-E-N-E. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.